0: Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here with NASCAR Hall of Famer, NASCAR and NBC analyst, Dale Jarrett. We're talking on a Monday afternoon, which if it's Monday and there's a NASCAR race, it means Martin Truex Jr. has won. (laughs) New Hampshire Motor Speedway, this is the fourth time I believe this has happened in his career, DJ. It's the first time it hasn't happened at Dover, but Martin Truex Jr. wins at New Hampshire. Rain-delayed race. You were there, now you're back home because of it happening on Monday afternoon. I was stunned by this, DJ. This is Martin Truex Jr.'s first win at New Hampshire in the Cup Series in 30 starts. Um, he had had three third-place finishes at New Hampshire prior to this. He had two poles, but he's number three on all-time laps led at this track. He has 1,170 laps led now, but finally has a win. He trails only Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart. He passed Kyle Busch today, so let's start there. I mean, were you as surprised as I was that this is Martin Truex Jr.'s first Cup win at New Hampshire? Yeah, you know,
1: as I started getting prepared leading up to the week, I knew that last year that, you know, it kinda, they kind of gave a race away in a year that, you know, they couldn't afford to be giving races away because they, they weren't competitive all the time. But as I started reading, I just had assumed because he's always run so good there that At some point in time, he had had a win. And you look at all the laps led and how competitive he is and always has been there, it seems. For this to now be the first time to get that out of the way, you know, he talks about growing up there. You could tell the the pressure was kind of getting to him a little bit. It it certainly was mounting because you want to do well uh, at a place that's really special to you in a lot of ways. But that today, you know, aside from Jeff Burton dominating and leading every single lap, that was the most impressive one that I, I've seen to, to date besides that. And, and again, he just does it race after race. And uh didn't, didn't matter the circumstances. They made the right calls, did the right things.
0: And like you said, he did give one away last year. He and crew chief James Small, I think, came away from that race at New Hampshire in 2022. Very upset. And that was kind of the theme of last year, DJ. And I want to get to that, that this year, it seems like Martin Trish Jr. and James Small just flipped that switch and are championship contenders again. They might be favorites, but I want to touch on what you just said there that, and Truex mentioned this in his post-race interview with Marty Snyder. He talked about those memories. Truex Jr. is finally winner here in New Hampshire. This one will be celebrated by the entire
2: Truex family. Martin, is there a win you wanted more than this one? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I mean... Uh... What we've been able to do here over the years is uh, pretty, pretty remarkable and, and to not win was really, really getting frustrating. You know, James and I talked about it many times. We, we thought about it all weekend. Um, you know, talked about it with Christopher before the race. He's like, man, you've led more laps here than I've ever been ra- even raced in Cup. But um, just really, um, really awesome job by everybody. Uh, what a race car we had today. Um, just proud of, proud of the whole team. Pit stops were flawless. Race car was unbelievable. Man, this is feeling really, really good to do what we did today and finally cap it off with a lobster. Do you remember being an eight year old and sitting in those stands
1: watching your dad race at this place? I mean, how much significance does that add to this for the Truex family?
2: That's a lot. It's a big part of it. I sat in turn one with my mom. I was My little brother was drinking out of a bottle. So, I mean, it was um, we were young, you know, 12, 13, maybe 14, whatever. Um, but you know, this is the first big track I ever came to with my dad and watched, and first time I ever seen Cup cars in person and Bush cars in person, and just uh, it's been a special place for us. And um, you know, being able to win K and N, you know, to win the Bush series, this one's been eluding me for a long, long time. So I'm just really, really happy, really thankful, and I um, can't say enough about my team, man. They're uh, they're incredible. I'm, I'm lucky got to drive these things.
0: What's that like for a driver? Because I'm sure you can kind of relate to that. For Martin Truex Jr. to go to this track where he's got all these memories from his childhood of going there and watching his dad race and you know, watching Dale Earnhardt work on cars in the garage. He talked about that this week. To go there and kind of fulfill that childhood dream of winning at a racetrack that you grew up watching. I mean, you grew up at racetracks all around the country, but do you have anything similar to that, DJ? I mean, winning the Coke 600, Charlotte, is there anything like that that you can kind of uh, relate to Martin Tricks Jr. finally winning at New Hampshire.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt as someone that grows up around the sport, just like Martin did. I mean, that, you know his dad you know, had a regular job, but he raced a lot. And, and so Martin had that opportunity to go be a part of it when they were traveling around to the races. There, there are places that become special to you and, and things that you remember uh, through that, uh, that, that stick with you. And so that becomes another box uh for you to check. Once you're once you're able to check off the box to where you get to the highest level and uh and in the cup series and then you have that box of of trying to win and he's got that uh checked off a long time ago. And and then he won his championship uh in the cup series too. So he, he's checked off a lot of boxes uh, for a career, uh, but there's one that that has stuck with him. You know, he talks about winning at Dover because, you know, that's actually, I think, a little closer to where he actually grew up as a kid. But this is a place that every interview I think that he did that he talked about this week, uh, it had something to mention about going there and, and watching his dad race and and then just how special it was to go into the garage area and, and there – Dale Earnhardt was uh adjusting the carburetor, I think he said, you know, Dale was on, working on his Bush car at the time. Uh, so these are just things that you remember. So that it becomes a place. And, and especially when you have run as well for so long as as Martin has at this track, not to get that win in the Cup Series. Uh, it becomes a little bit on the frustrating side. And, you know, mine was actually just trying to win a race at hickory in the bush series you know um because it seemed like every time i got close there was somebody that was always a little bit better whether it was jack ingram who was you know a little bit better a lot of the time uh, than i was anywhere but but especially at hickory and then i remember getting beat by ronnie silver from from up in the asheville area uh in a uh, might have been his only win in the bush series but but you know it just it becomes very frustrating and and you know i can take it to the level of of the you know cup series Yeah, charlotte would be that and and to be able to go there and win and win the coca-cola 600 that i watched my dad race at and and i'll i'll take it that you know even though daytona wasn't a home track by any means uh it is a track that every driver wants to win at and remembering and being there in 1963 when my dad led uh, the race with two laps to go, uh, the Daytona 500 and then ran out of gas for me to be able to come back then literally 30 years later uh, and go to victory lane uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, it was kind of like saying, OK, the Jarrett's together have a, a Daytona 500 win. So I know that Martin's relieved. And uh, again, just dominating. And, and um, you know, that's that's the way that you want to do it. I'm sure that he would have taken it if you told him he could only lead one lap and it was the last one. He had been fine with that too.
0: Yeah, but no question. I think you're right. A a sense of relief. That's a cool story about you and Ned. I didn't know that about his time 30 years before you won the 500 with bringing out gas. I'm sure Martin Truex Jr. probably had similar feelings about things that happened with with his dad and Bush North at that track. But I want to throw some stats at you here, DJ, because again, I can't get over Martin Truex Jr. in 2023. So this is his 34th career win in his 641st start those 34 wins now put him 25th all time in the cup series tied with kurt bush i mean there's no question that martin tricks jr is already a nascar hall of famer but yeah. just further making that case and then there's this stat uh martin tricks jr has now won three of the last 10 races and that's dover sonoma now new hampshire after failing to win the previous 54 races he had a 54 race winless streak and now he's won three of ten and i mean i'll admit it i I kind of wrote him off after last year a little when he was going through you know, wrestling if he wanted last year to be his final season in the yeah. Cup Series, and then he decides he's coming back. And then he misses the playoffs and doesn't win. And I just thought he might've missed his window to kind of go out on top. So now at age 43, DJ, it feels like Martin Truex Jr. has kind of recaptured his 2017 to 2021 championship form that he had first with, Cole Pern, and now he's got with James Small as crew chief. What do you make of this? Because, again, I didn't see this coming at all. It just feels like Truex is just time machined back to where he was three years ago.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I you know, once you, Kyle Petty and I talked about this last year uh, as Martin was, it became more of a talk probably than he even wanted it to. But once you say that, you're contemplating uh, the possibility of retirement it's hard to get away from that question then uh, whether it's coming from others or whether it's in your mind and and once you do that are you really giving everything that you have now as a driver yeah when you get behind the wheel and you get into to to drive the race you're going to give everything you have for those three or four hours whatever length of the race is but are you doing everything in preparation that it takes that you did that, that made you a champion, that, that won all of these races to that point. Uh, so you have to, to wonder about that. And I wondered, Martin's had a great career, whether it was up through, you know, K&N stuff and then, you know, on to the Busch Series and, and winning championships for Dale Jr. there and, and then, uh, you know, continuing on and, and getting his championship in the Cup Series. You know, it's just phenomenal to think about everything that he has accomplished. But now to sometimes we question when you go on these long losing streaks, you, you get the questions from everyone. Well, you know, are you still interested in it? You know, do you still have that desire deep down to, to do this to win? But, you know, it's such a crazy business that, you know, it doesn't take much to turn it around. I don't know. You know, I questioned last year and I had a couple of conversations with Martin last year. You know, was it this car? Was it that difficult, that different to adapt to? Because he had never driven anything like this. You know, there were a lot of conversations about that. And and I know that, you know, as I got close to retirement, the car tomorrow came along and that helped make my decision a lot quicker because I could tell I wasn't going to do very well in that car. And (laughs) and I was already getting to that point anyway. But, but, you know, I, I applaud Martin for, keeping his head down and and staying strong and for he and James Smaller to to figure this out you know they are now you know not saying that they're going to go win three out of the next 10 but they very well could too it would not surprise me because of the different types of tracks that they're they're winning on, and also there's a couple of other tracks and, and races that they easily could have won too with a little, with a few things going their way. So here again, you know, we had the discussion in our little 30-minute show yesterday about William Byron. Is he now the favorite because he won two in a row to to win the championship? Is he the championship favorite? But I think we all. A number of us said and i think jeff burton was the first one to come out and say hey martin truex jr has to be considered one of the favorites and he didn't do anything today to hurt those thoughts
0: no especially when you consider i mean he's got what five championship round appearances he's got the 17 championship he's got the 19 championship race that he probably should have won if his pit crew hadn't screwed up the tires there's so many opportunities i think there and and so much experience But yet, as we sit here today, DJ, I mean, he still hadn't decided yet on if he was going to return in 2024. Joe Gibbs was asked about it.
2: Dan Gelson, Associated Press. Joe Martin has talked the last couple of weeks about he's thinking about maybe retiring at the end of the season or coming back. What has he told you about his decision and how soon do you need him?
3: I wish, hey, will you please talk to him for me? (laughs) He tells me the same thing every year that I'm right in the middle trying to make this decision. I go, come on, what are you talking about, man? Uh, you're making money, you're having fun, driving race cars, come on. Uh, but, no, we haven't. Uh, I, I think it is, though, very important for us to kind of have some pressure here because it's pressure for all of us. It's a huge deal for us. And I'm hoping, I really felt like he's having such a, I think, a, a great year. And uh, I think, you know, he's having fun. And so I'm hoping that we get a good good answer for us here.
2: Dan Gelson, Associated Press, Martin Joe is just in here, Joe Gibbs, and he says, You're having fun. You're having a great year. You're winning races. Why wouldn't you come back next of year? Of course he says that. So I guess that's the question. <laughs> I guess that is the question. Why, would, why wouldn't you come back next
3: I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I think. Uh, you know i was talking out there to claire and i was like you know this sport isn't all isn't exactly what it's it appears to be sometimes it takes a big commitment Um, my team is amazing they deserve the very best driver the guy that wants it more than anyone else and i've been that guy and i want to make sure that if i come back i'm willing to do that it it takes a lot it's not just show up the track drive the car go home Um, takes a lot takes a lot of commitment it's a lot of travel um, you know, a lot of time missing things with family and friends and, and all those things that I've done for, you know, 25 years. Do I want to keep doing it? Um And am I willing to, you know, sacrifice all those things again for my team? Uh, so that's just what I'm thinking about. I don't know that running good and winning makes a difference. Um Be pretty awesome to win the championship and walk off into the sunset. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't really know i don't really know i'm bad at making big decisions i told uh, somebody out there i was like i finally i've been looking at saltwater boats for f- five five six years love to fish spend a lot of time on the water and and i haven't pulled the trigger on a boat because i just can't make up my mind on what i want i can't i'm just bad at big decisions and uh, i finally am about to buy one maybe this week <laughs> so I wish I had more time to figure out what I want to do next year, but I don't. So I'll, I'll know soon and you'll know soon.
0: Do we think at this point, I mean, three wins, there's no question he's a lock for the playoffs. I think you can almost pencil in the final eight at this point. And again, yeah. given this experience, I'd, I'd be hard pressed not to put Byron and Truex in my championship four right now. Do all of these factors make it a slam dunk? Do you think that Truex says, yeah, I'm going to be back? Or do you think there's that element of, well, maybe I want to play my cards close to the vest because if I can go out on top, maybe that's the way to go out. I, th- I think that yeah, that's, that's
1: something, and we can all talk and speculate. And, and I have regular conversations. I, I really enjoy talking to Martin Drex Jr. Uh, about racing, about life in general and, and what it's like, you know, and you know, the other things that he likes to do uh, away from the racetrack. And he enjoys that a lot. So it's hard to say, I I don't think that, just because he's winning again now, that certainly you you want to be able to do that. That won't be the determining factor of whether he comes back or not. I think it's just, this is going to have to come from deep down inside of Martin. And there's nothing that you can say that Dustin Long can say or ask Martin or that I can go and talk to him or Kyle Petty or anyone else. And even to that point, there's nothing, I mean, Joe Gibbs has the opportunity to throw a lot of money at him and convincing, but you know, that's, that's not the line that we're the way that we're going about this. Joe's the only one that could really make that to where Martin could say, Oh yeah, I'll be back uh, for sure. But, um, you know, I, I don't even, there are a lot of people that want to go out on top that would like that talk about doing that, but that becomes so hard when you win that you think, and Martin, I mean, he's still a young man. I mean, you know, he's, you, right now, it, close to the age that I was when I won my championship. And, and you know, I raced for a number of years after that and, and very competitively for a number of years after that. And, you know, he keeps himself in good shape and he has a tremendous feel for driving and winning. And so, yeah, I, there's no doubt in my mind that if he convinced himself that, hey, I want to do this for three more years after 2023. And, you know, that gets him to an age and, and to a time that, he could just say, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go now. I've, I've done it. And But th- there's no doubt in my mind that if, if he could convince himself and, and keep those thoughts out of his head and and, and obviously uh, able to keep winning along the way, uh, that, that he could do this and and possibly win one, two, or three more championships.
0: One thing that I think really stood out from the race today, D.J., aside from the fact that he had a dominant car and he, he drove sublimely, is that Martin Truex Jr. and James Small clearly made the right call strategically. They were on the same page. If there's been a weakness in their game since Cole Pern left a few years ago, it's I think it's been that. There were a few late cautions. And on one, Truex comes and they take two tires And James Small was saying, Martin's uh, not the greatest two-tires fan, but, you know, I couldn't afford to give up the track position there. We would have been buried. What's your take on that? Because it seems like that has been Achilles' heel for this team, and it seems as if it's something they've addressed. And, you know, maybe Martin just sort of understands that I'm going to trust James, and if James says two tires because we take four, there's no way we're coming from 10th to first, we're just going to do it.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think you could pull every really good driver throughout the years and, and great uh, because of some of the names I'm going to throw out there. But, you know, you take, you know, Dale Earnhardt senior and, and Rusty Wallace and Jeff Gordon and, and, you know, it's on and on down the line, Mark Martin, you take these drivers, all of us wanted four tires at every chance that we could, but that wasn't always what was going to give us the best chance to win the race. Sometimes you just have to suck that up and, and understand, you know, because, and and they've lost enough by Going in that side of it, and and Martin getting the four that he wanted, and then trying to drive by everybody, and and the, sometimes the restarts don't work in your favor, especially with the double file restarts that we have now. So it's a much more difficult thing, and, and so I think that's something that Martin is is embracing. Hey, give me the best chance, and I'll do what I have to do. And and you know he knew where he needed to be on the racetrack. If the car wasn't driving as good as it was, nobody's was really. But, you know, his was so good, uh, especially firing off that, um, you know, that's what he wanted. But two tires wasn't going to give him that feel. But he found a way to make that work, knowing that as long as he protected that outside, that they were going to be fine. Uh, I will tell you the only driver that I've ever seen come through the sport that would jump at two tires anytime would have been Ryan Newman. He was the best racer on two tires that I ever raced against or have seen a race in the series. So it's a hard thing as a driver to, to know that you're getting something that you really don't have a feel for for that day. And you've had such a good car, you just don't want that to screw up your chance. But if you also, if you get put back in fifth or sixth place, you might not get that opportunity to get back to the lead either.
0: And if you get put back in 26th place, you're definitely not getting a first and that's what happened to Ryan Blaney, which a couple of big pit crew mistakes. Christopher Bell also had a few as well, but I'm going to start with Blaney. So Blaney runs over the air hose after his team uh, makes this two tire call and they're using code words and they throw out the word orange.
2: So Ryan Blaney was told the call is orange. He said, oof, I was thinking something different,
0: but I could go with that. This may be two tires (laughs) to Blaney Kimball. Daniels on the
1: five
3: car said, I'm thinking of Beaver Creek. So that was the call.
0: Another team was using like Beaver Creek as their code word. (laughs) Here's where I'm going with this. It looked to me like the front tire changer whose air hose is the one that Blaney ran over. It looked like he thought, I mean, he still had the gun in his hand. It looked like he thought he was coming around to change the left side tires. And I wonder if he maybe got confused on the code words here. And maybe I'm making too much of this. I don't want to speculate too much, but you know, you're analysis of that first the pit crew mistake but codes for pit stops and is it just me or <laughs> I, I just i don't see where these help more than they hurt <laughs> yeah i don't know really how they you know I, I understand that
1: the guys right up front don't want the rest of the field getting an advantage you know if, if they're if their code is that hey we're taking four tires you know that that gives others an opportunity to make a quick call and, and go to two and, and still track position from you but yeah it can get confusing yeah i I think more times than not probably the driver and crew chief understand but it's more times that the crew either has the heart you know they're so focused in on what they have to do there and what they're trying to do that that maybe they're not totally understanding i i can you know relate to a race in indianapolis and that you know i think i had a good chance to win bill elliott was a really good car but we had shown speed right at the end and, and two tires was, I was better on two tires uh, than what Bill Elliott was during that. And and we were going to get track position because he took four as it turned out. But the guy holding the catch can did not understand that it was doing that. And he had let go of the catch can was just, you know, waiting for, you know, just to get out of the way, thinking the tire changer were, were coming around. And uh, I took off with that in there, having no idea, they dropped the Jack. I knew I was getting two tires and was gone. And uh, so more times than not, it's not that the driver and crew chief ever really get that confused with it. It's everyone else. You know, therein lies the problem, I think. And that very well, I didn't. I'm glad you had some kind of explanation because I thought there's no way that Blaney just takes up. He knows what's happening. And, you know, I'm thinking had they changed the rules and, you know, (laughs) They are they able to you know, hold up the air hose and drive on, which they didn't even try to do that either. I knew that, but yeah. it was very confusing as to what may have happened, but your explanation is very good. That very well seems to be the case.
0: I mean, usually when it's a two-tire stop, the changer just, he took a step with the gun and then stopped and realized what was happening. And to my knowledge, I thought I had missed something too. I was like, he can't run that over, right? And then Steve Watard, of course, said, yeah, that's going to be a penalty. Devastating to Ryan Blaney having any chance to win that race. He's in the playoffs already because he won the Coke 600. But, you know, something for his team to clean up. And as I mentioned, DJ, I mean, Christopher Bell, Two mistakes early final mistake was his when he just kind of lost it while running in the top 10 trying to get all he could but he had been put so far deep in the field because of his picker having two mistakes on early stops including one that was a loose wheel yeah that
1: and so you know that all comes back to that. He
0: never did ever get
1: back to where he had been running before that penalty. So he was just, you know, it was an uphill battle the entire afternoon after that. So these mistakes have to be cleaned up for these drivers and these teams and the crews to to make sure that they're not putting themselves in the position. You know, we're six races away now from the playoffs starting. You can't have these things to happen. That might be the difference in you if you're not going to win in a round uh, that pointing your way through. You know, you talk about Blaney that, yeah, he's already in the playoffs, but He had amassed a lot of points. He's sitting in a spot to get a lot of playoff points as the regular season ends. You give away those points, you lose one spot or two. You know, that might only be one or two playoff points that you've given away, but that could be the difference uh, in going from one round to the next. So you just can't be making these mistakes. And, And we're far enough into the year here that these type of things for championship caliber teams can't continue to happen, and uh, again, I put that, you know, Christopher Bell, I don't fault him for, you know, he wasn't trying to crash the car, he was just trying to get everything that he could, you know, looking at, knowing that if he could get by the two cars that were in front of him, he's looking at a top five, and and that would be a good recovery from what they did, and you know, and he's just a hard racer, but these are the things that happened that created the issue to start with, just that gets compounded uh, by the driver trying to make up for that then.
0: And like you said, some playoff implications certainly through all of this. We want to look at the cut line as well. So when we came into this, we had McDowell, uh, Michael McDowell, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, all kind of battling for those last two spots, separated by three points. So we come out of New Hampshire. Uh, McDowell is now 16th. He's the bubble driver in 16th. He's one point ahead of Daniel Suarez. And then Bubba Wallace is in 15th, two points ahead of Suarez. So it's somehow gotten even tighter here on the cut line (laughs) that and
1: this is going to be a battle down to Daytona you know we talk about the battle at Daytona of someone trying to win to to get themselves in much like Austin Dillon did last year uh and working his way into the playoffs by winning that race It, it could come down to the battle for the final spot in the points at Daytona here between you know, two, three, possibly even four drivers, and my gosh, you think about the finishes that we've had there, and how long it might take NASCAR to figure out where everybody finished, and actually the number of points that they got, and, and who that 16th place finisher might possibly be. Uh, this isn't going away. I, I said this, this past week on our motor mouth that Michael McDowell's gotten himself into a really good spot, and, and I said that he needed to get through the Next three races, Uh, New Hampshire, uh, obviously a big race for them. And then the next two coming up that if they could clear that I looked at Michigan, I thought that the way that they run on bigger tracks, that would help. And then, you know, they've got some road courses coming up and then obviously Daytona. So, I thought they did a, a decent job, but they did what they wanted to do. His crew chief later came out in the week, well, might have been in the same afternoon, actually, and, and had told Dustin Long that they needed to get through the next four. He thought that Michigan was one that they could possibly struggle, and then things lined up very well for them with uh, the Indy Road course, Watkins Glen, and Daytona uh, coming up, that, that that would be good for them. So I think Michael McDowell and his team did exactly what they wanted and needed to. You always want more uh, out of the day, but I think uh, with them staying right there and then staying a part of the mix, that they did exactly what they wanted to do and, and what they needed to do to stay a part of this.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you called attention to that, DJ, the story that Dustin has on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Check it out. He you know, posted it last Friday, some comments from McDowell's crew chief. And interesting because Front Row Motorsports obviously is not an A-level team Uh, But it seems like they've got kind of an aggressive, really thought out plan here for making the playoffs. So, I mean, were you impressed by kind of how the 34 team has kind of structured its approach to how they're going to try to get this spot?
1: Yeah, that was so refreshing to read that. And the questions that you and and, uh, Dustin both do a great job of of getting answers from the, the crew chiefs and the drivers that a lot of times. They don't just give this information out, but when you're put in the right situation and Dustin did that in this case and and asking the questions about, you know, a little bit of gambling, you know, might be going along the way. And he said, you know, we've got to, we have to do something different. And I appreciated him understanding the fact and and willing to admit that if we go try to race these people heads up every week, we're going to come out on the losing end more times than not. So, let's go try to do, you know, get off cycle, if that's what we need to do, put our driver who is really good when we put him in a good situation of, of hanging on uh, to what we're asking him to do. And um, I, I really, it was very refreshing to see that and, and see someone, I don't know that he should have let others in on his secret, but, <laughs> but we appreciate him doing that because, you know, it, it's a great story for us to put out there and for us to talk about uh, during the week and weekend of the race.
0: Yeah, we always appreciate the candor and the insight, although I understand why crew chiefs and teams want to be so guarded and, be, you know, it's <laughs> proprietary information. But we appreciate uh, Travis Peterson, the crew chief for Michael McDowell, who hasn't been heard from a lot and uh, Dustin not got to him. So definitely go check out that story on NBCSports.com. In terms of playoff points pitcher here, DJ, it certainly seems like the points path has been closed off for Chase Elliott here with six races to go. I think Dale Jr. came out and said in post-race, he was like, all right, I'm off the Chase Elliott points train. How about you? Is it pretty much winter bus bust now for the nine team?
1: Yeah. I, I kind of, you know, in our little 30 minute show yesterday, uh, I, you know, I had said that, you know, I know Marty and, and Dale Jr. with that. And I was up until the previous race. Uh, <laughs> but when I saw that two things that got me at Chicago, And this isn't anything against Justin Haley, who is a really good road racer and did an outstanding job at at Chicago in that street race. But you think that if Chase Elliott, who is needing a win to get into the playoffs before the Superman came along and stole the race from both of them, um, you would think that Chase Elliott in more times than not would go up there and be able to pass Justin Haley in a must win situation for him and could have possibly gotten far enough away that he could have held on for a win, but he could not do that. This tells me that team isn't ready. And and what I saw in practice and in qualifying at Loudon on Saturday, um, I, I just didn't believe that either. So I, I had jumped off of that, that bandwagon and I, you know, I heard Dale Jr. say that today. So they, there's no doubt that, They understand that now, too, that the the path, you know, these other drivers that they're racing, trying to jump over, if you will. First off, the nine car is not running well enough to gain a lot of points on anybody. And these other drivers are are having good, solid, you know, sometimes top 10, but certainly top 15 finishes. And and you can't gain that many points through that. So um, uh, they're they're in a must win. But I don't know what I've been all along saying that Chase Elliott is the one driver of that whole group. That can win anywhere you know we can talk about aj who i think is only 20 back now from that so we can put him right in the mix aj alman has some really good tracks coming up for him also that you know he might settle his issue and not have to worry about points because he's capable of winning at these road courses or even at daytona which a lot of people are, are capable of that but you look at chase you would think that he has the capabilities and has won at, at most of these tracks that that we have coming up Everybody else can't say that, but right now I can't put him in a favorable spot. Yeah, I know that he won at Pocono last year. That holds no weight in my mind of of thinking about Chase Elliott going to Pocono and winning the race. Do I hope that he does? Yes, Uh, for a lot of reasons. For him, it's good for the sport. Uh, It's good for Hendrick Motorsports. It's good that a big sponsor like that would be in the playoffs because just think about the ramifications if we have Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott both not getting in the playoffs from Hendrick Motorsports. That's their two biggest sponsors they have at Hendrick Motorsports that aren't going to be a part of the playoffs possibly. So you know this is you have to look at this. Not that we're pulling for people, but we pull for the sport. And and you know that would be that that could have some big implications along the way. But you know, I think the biggest thing is Chase and Alan Guffson have to show us that that they're going to have a car and a driver uh, ready to go win a race and be able to compete up front to win that. And I, I just haven't seen that in a while.
0: And uh, yeah, the clock's definitely ticking six races to go. And I think it's interesting, DJ, we're talking about here of the championship four last year. We're talking about Chase Elliott potentially not making it. We're talking about, well, we haven't talked about him yet, but Ross Chastain, who was leading the points a few weeks ago, he was virtually invisible today, finished 23rd. We talked about Christopher Bell. He finished 29th because he had that crash and in the pit crew problems. And meanwhile, the guy, the, the fourth member of last year's championship for Joey Logano, who we've been talking about in recent weeks, Fords have been off. We saw it certainly at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, Logano and other Ford drivers have been forthright about that, that they need to fix something there. Well, I mean, clearly today Logano finishes second and both he and crew chief Paul Wolf said, we tried some different things whatever they tried worked. <laughs> yeah. so, yes. uh, this is kind of what we saw last year when Joey Logano had that midsummer swoon. And then when the playoffs roll around and it's championship time, he's there. Do you think that what we saw at New Hampshire today could be a little bit of a preview for playoffs and especially Phoenix from the number 22? There's no doubt in my mind now
1: that, you know, that was solid. Uh, Joey Logano and, and his team, uh, they're magicians at times. And, if you just did nothing, didn't watch the race, and you just look at the finish, you'd say, "Oh, Logano had another, you know, solid top five, or you know, he made another, you know, sixth or seventh place finish there." He manufactured these, where a lot of these times he's running fifteenth to twentieth during a lot of these races, and but yet comes back and makes something, uh, not having the speed or the handling to to do the things that they need to do. That was solid today, and that's a difficult racetrack to do that. When you can pressure. Martin Truex Jr., as good as his car was there and as good as Martin is there, when you can pressure him the entire race the the way that Joey Logano did, you have to feel really good. Now, what all transfers and translates – I know that whatever they did there could certainly work at Phoenix if they're in the championship four again. I won't make the mistake of if he's in the championship four saying he's got no chance, which is basically what I said last year. And Kyle <laughs> Betty laughed at me. But um, he's just such a remarkable driver. And, and when you put this car under him, he's going to make it almost impossible for somebody to pass him. And he's going to do everything within his driving capabilities, which are massive, to pass whoever is in front of him. So uh, that was a huge step forward. Uh, again, be interesting to see, you know, is that something of the things that they tried? Does that go to Pocono? Uh, does that go to Michigan, uh, where he usually runs well? And and I think one up there last year, maybe, um, or at least uh, in 21. So this opens your eyes to another real championship Contender. When you start talking about filling out your your Final Four bracket, which we a lot of us agree that that William Byron and and Martin Truex Jr. are are half of it right now. Who are going to be those other two? And and uh, if Joey Logano and and this team can take this forward, then uh, you're going to have to look and deal with them.
0: I certainly would have. I think all three of them in my championship four right now. But be interesting to see how Logano stacks up at Pocono. I mean, you mentioned it. Chase Elliott won last year, but really he. One in air quotes, given this was where NASCAR had the uh, infamous disqualifications of two Gibbs cars, uh, stripping the win from Denny Hamlin and and taking a second away from Kyle Busch. So I looked, DJ, the Pocono is kind of an outlier now, obviously, with only one race a year. The last time NASCAR raced at technically a big super speedway, I mean, Nashville is sort of in that vein, but I went back to Charlotte Motor Speedway. That was the last mile and a half race on the schedule. And the top five there were Blaney, Byron, Truex. Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick. So any thoughts on what we might see here at Pocono? And I hate to say it, but like ultimately does like does it matter? I mean, I don't know if Pocono tells us as much about the championship run the playoffs as it might have in years past when, you know, half of the final ten were mile and a half. So that's not the championship structure anymore.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, not in, in that way. And and I'm not sure how much we'll see from that other than the fact that you know an interesting name that you threw in there with that bubba ran well and, and i think the toyotas the package they have under the hood uh of their race car and the aerodynamic side of it you know i think that that opens up for bubba possibly looking at this as that opportunity i i know that you know there are other tracks that will will come along that that he will still be able to to look at that and, and have a shot but but this might be that real opportunity he's looking at so but but what you also Talked about it there, yeah. I know Ryan Blaney won the race at Charlotte. The Fords were were really good there at a racetrack that that's difficult, especially you know on a Monday the way that it that it all went uh, down. But you know, watching Logano and and Blaney run, uh, especially today and at a number of other tracks, I think we're going to see all man all three manufacturers well represented up there. Yeah, if I would give a slight advantage at, at this point in time, it, it would have to be to the Toyota side. I believe they just seem to have you know, all the boxes checked as to what their cars do uh, for their drivers. And uh, I think that's the direction. Once again, you pointed out that that Denny and Kyle Bush ran one and two before that was taken away from them last year. Well, I think that the capabilities are there for the Toyotas to be right up front once again.
0: And they've certainly got the favorite, I think, right now leading the way in in Truex. Well, we'll see what happens at Pocono. Always appreciate you coming on the podcast and and talking NASCAR. DJ, thanks again for uh, being here on Monday. Absolutely. Thanks.
1: I appreciate it, Nate. Good talking with you.
0: Our thanks again to Dale Jarrett for joining us on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Thanks to Motorsports Manager Emily Conboy for setting up the episode and troubleshooting the recording. And thanks to Deb Stafford for editing the podcast's video version for the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page. You can watch the full episode there on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page and also find more NASCAR America Motor Mouths content and highlights from across the racing spectrum. That's on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page. Please subscribe. It's free. The NASCAR on NBC podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And it's also now on Amazon Music as part of the NBC Sports collection on Amazon Music. You can find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. That's Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. The NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series will be at Pocono Raceway this weekend, TV coverage of the Cup Series race will begin at 2.30 p.m. Eastern this Sunday on the USA Network. You can visit NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for all the details and schedules for how to watch the Cup and Xfinity Series, as well as news, columns, and analysis on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast.